As we venture together into our future that is bright with hope, let us join together in worship and in reverence. Renew and strengthen our spirits, O oh God, as we respond to the joys and challenges of this day. Please join with me in prayer. We gather this day to take a moment of quiet serenity from our fast pace and busy lives. We ask for your care, love, and your renewal within us, that you fill and nurture us. And in this time together, Lord, you challenge us to think, open to us, respond, and bless us with not only the discovery of joy, but also of sharing our gifts freely and openly with others. Our Lord, you bless this church knowing full well that it is not a building, but a community, not an event, but a complete life, not a collection of distinct people, but a breathing embodiment of your love in this world. And our worship and in our life, we give you thanks for your strength, vitality, and sense of community that we discover here each week. All this we pray in the manner of Christ who taught us to pray, saying together, our Father, to art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. everyone. Welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. We are thrilled to have you joining us, whether you are a longtime member, a new friend, we are so thrilled to have you here. Um, if you wouldn't mind taking the friendship registers that you find on the outside aisles of your pews, uh, pick them up, sign your name, send them on down the aisle to your neighbors, and um, be sure to greet one another following the service couple of um, fun announcements for you. So first, in your bulletin, you may have seen this sheet. Um, this is actually retro now, we can call that. It's pre-COVID. 
Um, this is how we used to sign up to come to events, so we are bringing it back. Uh, so you'll see all sorts of things that are happening, the dates that they're happening, times, and um, if you are going to attend any of them, you just fill it out and then drop it in the offering um, plate when it comes by for you. So uh, things that you can do, fellowship hour, thank you to Tish and uh, Whitney Burton for today's fellowship hour. Um, join us for coffee and, and um, treats in fellowship hall following the service. Um, also, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Um, our Christmas tree is still up, but I promise you by tomorrow night it will be gone because one can't have one's Christmas tree up for Ash Wednesday. Um, although, I don't know, maybe, but no, it will be gone. Um, if you can't make that service in person, it will be live streamed um, on our new portable live stream system. If it doesn't pop up on the live stream system, that means I couldn't get the new live stream system to go. So. Uh, you know, we're doing, going to do our best there. Um, we're also changing over our entire audio and camera system in the last couple of months. So sometimes we have these audio glitches or a camera glitch. So um, if you are watching us live stream, know that we're, we're on it, doing our best, and it's all going to get tuned up and it'll be fabulous in the near future. Uh, next Sunday is our 180th annual meeting of Southport Congregational Church. You are all in, all members are invited to attend. You can fill out your sheet and let us know you're coming um, there, and that would be awesome. Um, also, uh, coming up March 3rd is our 12th annual women's retreat. We are going to be talking about the fruits of the spirit. There's a really great song I'm going to teach you. Um, and uh, so that should be a lot of fun. You can come Friday or Saturday, or my preference, come for both, because that's how you get the best experience. Uh, last week, we took a, a special yellow envelope offering for um, earthquake victims of Turkey and Syria, and I just want to thank you for the generosity of that. Um, $6,624 was collected from you, 100%, which will go directly to victim support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And then lastly, I just want to um, welcome a special guest that we have here. So in the pew, you're going to just stand up for a second, Jen, so just so they can make a, a connection. Then you can sit back down. So, so this is Jennifer DeBishop Whipple. I first met Jennifer in 1988 when I started my first uh, associate minister job in the Congregational Church of Naugatuck. Uh, she was one of the little kids running around. Um, she and her family became great friends of ours. And I was there from 88 to 94. Got to watch her um, become Miss Connecticut, which was a big, big event there. She, so if you want an autograph, she still gives them out as Miss Connecticut. Um, and then uh, she went to Yale Divinity School, and she was a student minister here uh, in 2003. And then she has, since she graduated, been the associate minister at Brookfield Congregational Church. And today, she is the Fairfield East Association advisor to our own student minister, Julianne Center. So uh, it's, it's like a big family reunion happening, which is great. Uh, so speaking of great family reunions, we have uh, Sydney King, who has um, um, uh, joined our church as a youngster. What were you, like 10? when you first came here um, and has grown up in our church and now works for us as our church school intern and she is going to welcome the children to come on down. Come on down. I see some of you. It's a light Sunday. 
don't look so sad. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel very good. <laughs> Only four kids. And we're all just the farthest away from me as you possibly can be. <laughs> good morning. Morning. How you guys doing? Awesome. I'm happy you guys are here. Um, I'm going to tell you guys about a new hobby I have. Do you guys have any hobbies? You guys? Alex? Pokemon. Pokemon? Pokemon Go? Yeah, Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. Anyone else, Wayne? Shoes? Oh, you like to take care of them and like fix them up and stuff like that? Basketball, soccer, Adalia, do you have any cool hobbies? Chewing gum. Chewing gum? <laughs> Chewing gum is a good one. Did you guys do you know how to blow bubbles yet? Yeah. Wow, pretty advanced bubble chewing. All right, well, I started pottery. Have you guys ever done like pottery in art class or played with clay? Yeah, so I started pottery. Yes? I know, you had an amazing birthday party. Your mom was telling me about it. So cool. Um, so I started pottery, and because I saw it on TikTok, as we do, and people were really making it look easy, okay? They were just like whipping up some dishes, some vases, a mug here, you know, everything a girl could want. So I go to Target immediately, and I buy a big tub of clay, and I try to make my first mug, and it's going to be a Christmas gift for someone. And I'm going to show you guys how it turned out. How's that? <laughs> Would you give that as a gift to someone? Better than my first time. Better than your first time? Thank you. I'll see. I don't know if you guys can see it. Not great. Wouldn't want to give that to a gift to anyone. I don't have a spinning wheel. I was very just rudimentary out there. but. I got frustrated. I was like, that's it. I'm not a potter. I can never be a potter. This is it. I'm done. I just wasted like 20 bucks on a thing of, of clay. Um, but the next week, I got an email. And my town was offering adult pottery classes. Divine intervention, right? And I was like, OK, this is a big commitment. It's eight weeks. It's like two and a half hours once a week to do pottery. But I decided this is something I want to do, and I'm really going to commit the time to it. So I think I've had a little bit of an improvement. Let me show you guys. This is the first one I made. Yeah, it does have spinning wheels. I haven't done the spinning wheel yet. And then I made this one recently. It's going to be so big improvement from the first one. What I needed was one, to invest the time in my new hobby, and I needed a teacher. I needed someone to guide me, someone who really knew what they were doing outside of just like TikTok or YouTube, you know? TikTok, TikTok helps a lot, but I found that as short as TikToks are, sometimes the benefits we reap from it are just as short, right? And I feel like our faith is the same, right? 
TikTok, YouTube, people are like, here's how you make your life great. You drink your water, you do your steps, you play Pokemon Go, and you're gonna have a great life. Bing, bomb, boom, you're done. But they never think you have to work. You do have to work. But what about coming to church every week as a commitment? You know, it's one hour, a little bit over an hour every week. We have our teachers. The Bible's our teacher. Jesus is our teacher. Our ministers are our teachers. And that commitment is going to teach us how to live in God's light and live how God wanted us to far into the future with better quality. You know, just like my pottery is better quality. So I think that's really important to remember that when we want to get really good at something, like living a good, faithful life, we have to put the time in. Seek out people who are really educated in it, not just, you know, Joe Schmo on TikTok or YouTube. <laughs> I've learned from, I've learned my mistakes, you know. So, we must practice our faith. It's practice, like soccer or Pokemon Go. I'm sure you've gotten better at it since you first started. You know, with birthday parties, every birthday party gets better every year, pretty much, you know. With shoes, I'm sure your first shoe project wasn't as good as the ones you're doing now, right? You practice, and we have to practice our faith as well. So I'm happy you're here. You're here to practice the faith. I love it. You go to church school, we learn. It's amazing. Let's pray. Dear God, Dear God thank you for giving us teachers, teachers. to help us learn, learn. in a place the church, where we can practice, living in the way you want for us. We know that doing so will bring us joy. Amen. Very good. Now we're going to go to chapel.
as we take a little time to um, lift up our personal prayers and our collective prayers, um, just a, a few people, I would invite you to keep in your prayers, not just for this moment, but um, throughout the week. Um, first of all, I, uh, I know is a coworker of Shannon's who um, is in ICU and um, is undergoing some, uh, some issues and challenges there. Um, is it post-surgery or pre-surgery or? Okay, all right. Um, so, so if we can please keep her and our, and our love and our prayers. Also, um, Fred Feuerhock, who's been away from our congregation for a couple of years, he moved to, uh, was very, very involved for, for decades. Um, and then moved to Arizona a couple of years ago, and he was just recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, he just started his treatment, so um, we can keep him in our love and our prayers. Neil Rice, as well, he is back in the hospital. Um, and all, uh, if we can keep in prayers, uh, there are many in our congregation who are undergoing continuing uh, treatments for cancer and for some long-term illnesses. Um, and we lift you all up with love and prayer and strength and courage. And also um, offering our prayers of thanks and continuing support for those who are in the process of recovery. Um, and moving along, Hank Greer and Mary Martha Schertz, uh, Susan Kunkel, we are lifting you all up. Um, as well as our prayers, obviously, for the people uh, uh, suffering the aftermaths of, um, of the earthquake. Syria, Turkey, and um, continuing prayers uh, of strength and support and uh, some kind of peaceful resolution for those in the Ukraine. So let's join together in, in love and prayer. loving God of all of the days and seasons of our lives, we realize that sometimes things change erratically in our lives as the seasons and the weather does around us that can go from warm to cold and sunny to cloudy and stormy to beautiful and crocuses popping up in the middle of February and So it is that we welcome you from yet another week, like all weeks, that have brought us some changes and surprises. And some of these are welcome, and others are things that we would have rather avoided, and so that is life itself, isn't it, God? With its ups and downs and with all of its texture, of accomplishments and projects completed and projects begun and efforts and hopes and dreams and struggles and successes and concerns. And throughout it all, Lord, may we say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. May you take me. May you 
be inside of me, reside within me. May you lead me through my life and my decisions. May you be with me so closely in my joys and celebrations. And may I keep you closely in my challenges. May you awaken me to how can I love better? How can I help better? How can I be more patient? How can I be less judging? Such simple things, God. So simple and yet with such a profound impact on our experience of life, and such a profound impact on the experiences of the people around us, those who are doing well and with those who are struggling. So whatever we may have done, God, or have left undone in this last week, good or bad, we come now to have that clean slate that you offer. Give us that clean slate, God, to, with your blessings and with your encouragement and forgiveness and strength, to help us try again. And for those who are facing daunting odds, Lord, we pray for your blessings and encouragement and forgiveness and strength that together with, with our strength and prayers and resources, that they may receive help to be able to try again, to lift up, to take that next step, to find a new path, to heal a wound, to gain new strength, to welcome a new purpose, to find hope. And so, God, as we offer you our lives this morning, we also do create that space to invite you in to be a closer partner with you. And as we begin a new week, may we take you with us in all that we do, mind, body, spirit, love, and service. Christ with us, this we pray. Amen. noticed an interesting thing, and I bet that you did too, that when Laura was talking about the, um, the special offering from last week for the yellow envelopes, right, and um, for the earthquake victims, and she mentioned that, that you folks gave $6,000, one shot, to help them. And, and when she said that, there was this response of like, oh, you know, that's fantastic, right? And with that, 
I don't know if you notice, but within yourself, there's a, there's a feeling of hope, real hope and strength and encouragement with that kind of support. And I love that because it's, it's created hope. It's something that, that we can manifest, that you can manifest all the time. And we have such tremendous power to be able to do that, to channel our energy, to channel our, our resources, and to be able to create that same kind of hope and, and strength, not only in ourselves, but in, in others around us. And that's just what part of this endeavor that we do together is all about. <laughs> such a privilege, such a, such a beautiful path. And that's what we are about in this morning's offering, where you create that hope, we receive, we add God's blessings, and we share that hope and strength out with the world. Our morning's offering will now be received and shared yet once again.
join in our prayer of dedication um, I also ask for your forgiveness for the choir too because I completely wasn't looking on the right page and, <laughs> and so I assume that the choir is just going to be singing afterwards right yeah there we go there we go that's where it's nice to be with a very loving loving congregation so let's join together in our prayer of dedication compassionate God you instill in each of us the desire to make your ideal vision come alive. Receive these gifts that they may grant new life to those in need, hope to those who are struggling, and the fullness of life for all. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
Thank you, Senior Choir, for bringing the spirit, inspiring our hearts. What a gift to have grace, I say before I preach. <laughs> so thank you, church family. We have uh, three passages of scripture today, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, and one from the voices of today, because God is still speaking, right? Through all of us, our art and our literature, literature and reflections and poetry. And we will get to all of these scripture pieces in time, but first, I do just wanna take a breath. I wanna to acknowledge together that it has been a very difficult past couple of weeks. For our world, certainly, a devastating earthquake in Turkey and in Syria, more than 40,000 people lost, many still missing, a train carrying toxic chemicals derailed and in flames in Ohio, an ongoing war in Ukraine, and in our community, a number of illnesses, injuries, emergencies, and ongoing treatments. And personally, I think of all of the incredible strength and vitality that it takes so many of us just to get through every single mundane day regardless of whether it is an emergency or a crisis. And here is a thought that I have a lot, that I've had a lot this week, that I rarely say out loud, very infrequently to an entire church. Shouldn't it be easier than this? God, if things were right in this world, if I were doing the things that I should be, if I loved God enough, if God loved me enough, Shouldn't it be easier? Why am I encountering so much hardship? I've asked myself, why do bad things keep happening? Why do I have to work so much? Why don't I see God in this? Where is God in this? I can't always seem to see God through all of the smoke, all the news, all the crises and distractions and fire. It sometimes feels like the whole world is on fire, doesn't it? A few weeks ago, as you all know, my apartment building caught on fire. It is not too soon to laugh. We're making jokes. We're on fire. <laughs> and so needless to say, my mind has been on fire. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. And with that in mind, I ask you to turn to our first passage of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy and let us read it together. These words the Lord spoke with a loud voice to your whole assembly at the mountain, out of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, and he added no more. He wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you approached me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, look, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the fire. We have seen this day that God may speak to someone and the person may still live. But now why should we die? For this great fire will consume us, 
If we hear the voice of our Lord, our God, any longer, we shall die. For who is there, all of flesh, that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the fire as we have and lived? Go near, you yourself, and hear all that the Lord our God will say. Then tell us everything that the Lord our God tells you, and we will listen and do it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So what is going on there? This is a bit of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy, which is a biblical book that I think is highly underrated and which has a very legendary story. The story goes that in 622 BC, 600 years before Jesus, King Josiah, the king of Israel, made a remarkable discovery. Out of the temple, hidden away somewhere were these scrolls covered in dust, covered in rubble, and they were lost, they were forgotten. They had been lost by the tribe of Israel, much like the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. What these scrolls contained was none other than a series of texts written by the great prophet Moses, the one who had led them to the promised land, who had liberated them from slavery in Egypt. It was the farewell sermon of one of the founders of their faith, a remarkable find an archeological feat, a miracle, and the story goes that Josiah was so inspired by these lost texts that he turned the whole nation around. The Israelites had fallen to idolatry. They began to worship other gods, and in the feet of the power of Yahweh, Josiah ordered that all of these idols be smashed, be taken down, that the church and the temple remain only gods. A new regime began all because of the rediscovery of something lost. That's how the story goes. Most scholars today uh, don't actually believe that Moses wrote the speeches that are in this text. They don't believe it was a rediscovered text, but actually a new one that was written for that time, but that also doesn't stop scholars or believers like us from believing that this text, Deuteronomy, is an incredible work of literature that reflected the way that God was working in the lives of the Israelites in the time of King Josiah, as they found themselves in a challenging time in their nation and in their world, and which might contain truth about the ways in which God is working in our lives today. Because the facts of history don't stop texts such as this from conveying real truth about the way that God speaks in our lives. So in this great work of literature, which we just read, Moses, the great leader of the Israelites, the writer of the Torah is talking to his people. He's reminding them of what happened at Mount Sinai when they received the two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, the law of God. 
those ones that are posted in Fellowship Hall and in the narthex. He's reminding them of what that experience was like, describing it in all of its terrifying detail, and he's recounting back to the people what they said to him. So what we read is a bit of dialogue between Moses and the people, a prophet, and those who are scared. And I want to draw our attention to something we might otherwise miss. That the Israelites heard God's voice out of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire. The people heard God's voice out of the fire. It says the Lord speaks with a loud voice to the whole assembly at the mountain out of the fire, through the cloud, through the thick darkness. And the people learned directly what they could only take Moses' word for before, that they can hear God's voice out of the fire, that they can encounter God and still live. They can be transformed because they cannot go on living the way that they had before. They will live according to a new code, a new way of being. They will live more abundantly. And this comes as a shock to the people that they can hear the Lord's voice through the fire, but it doesn't come as a shock to Moses. And it shouldn't come as a shock to us as readers of the Bible. Because if we recall, fire is baked into the very fabric of the Bible. Because fire is baked into the very fabric of our lives. When Moses receives his call to ministry, it is through a burning bush. It's through the fire. When Moses speaks to God, it is through fire. When Moses receives 10 commandments and gives them to the people, it is through fire. The faith of the Israelites was founded upon fire. And then we have the New Testament, the birth of Christianity, the arrival of salvation, the Messiah, the time that they had waited for for so long and that they believed would set everything right. And we'll imagine that it would all be fine, right? Except what happens. Jesus comes under fire. Not literal fire, but the fire and the ire and the threats and criticism of his people. Through the fire, Jesus comes to meet with them, to heal them, to love them, and he's burned. Jesus, already perfect, goes through the refiner's fire, and we're told that when Jesus comes again, it will be through fire. And this is not to be dramatic. This is not some fire and brimstone sermon. I'm not talking about hell. I am not talking about wrath. I'm not talking about the end of the world or the end of times. I'm talking about today. Talking about yesterday and this week. I'm talking about the last few weeks in the world and the community and my life because I've been looking around and I've been seeing fire. And I'm seeing that it is fire that is throughout the history of God's activity with creation. God speaks through fire. But let's not misinterpret this. I don't mean to say that God punishes us with fire, literally or metaphorically. Let's be clear, God does not enact natural disasters like earthquakes or light fires in apartment buildings or spark tragedy to get our attention. 
In fact, Jesus directly refutes this kind of bad and very common theology, that kind of voice that's in my head whenever anything goes awry, several times. First, in Luke 9:54, when two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, misunderstand Jesus and his ministry, what he's called to do. A few Samaritans, you see, are rude to Jesus and the disciples. And so the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to consume them? A reasonable response. I feel that way on the 95 sometimes. Because they're angry and they're indignant about cruelty and they think that that warrants sending a natural or supernatural disaster upon the people. But of course, Jesus rebukes them. He says, that's not what I'm about. Jesus is not about fire and brimstone, nor about smiting people. That is not the loving character of God. And so the text records him saying, you do not know what spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy the lives of humans, but to save them. Jesus is not about punishment with fire or natural disaster. We see this also in Luke 13:4, when a tower tragically falls in Jerusalem and kills 18 people. And like we often do, his disciples ask why. Why did this tragedy happen? And Jesus tells them that these people were no more guilty than anyone else in the city. That their actions or inactions, their sins or virtues did not cause the tragedy to happen. Tragedy just happens. And Jesus directly contradicts any kind of theology that tries to draw a straight line between our behavior and disasters because no one deserves a natural disaster. So no, I do not mean to say that when God speaks to us through the fire that God is punishing us with fire and anyone who does ought to read the book of Luke. I mean to say that God speaks through the fire, that even though the world is burning, even though catastrophe strikes us, even despite the chaos and the suffering and the war and the violence and the tears and the bloodshed and the disasters made by man and nature, but not by God, that God is there. God is speaking. God is giving us hope. And we have to listen. We don't have to wait until the world is better or our lives are better to see God, to rest in God's strength and support, to find hope. We don't have to wait until the smoke settles because God speaks through the fire. And here is why that matters. Because there has not been a time on earth, there is not a time in the Bible there will never be a time in this creation or the next without fire, without suffering, without pain, without natural disasters and personal crises and tragedy. That's just true, and I wish it weren't. But there will also probably never be a time in your life or in my life where we can just sit back and say, oh yeah, I have nothing more to worry about. I've checked off every box. I've done everything I need to do on my to-do list. I have no reason to worry or fret or cry. I mean, can you imagine? It's comical. I feel like 
as soon as I sit down at the end of the day, I get comfy, I pull up a cup of tea or a blanket and suddenly the phone rings or the dog barks. I remember that email that I forgot to send, or my stomach growls, or someone wants my attention, all of this, and I don't even have kids. <sighs> we are never gonna get comfortable. We're not gonna find that kind of peace. There will never be a time in which the circumstances of our lives are right and the stars align so that we can have that perfect 15 minutes to encounter God in prayer. That day is not going to arrive because that's not what our faith is about. Our faith is not from, about sanctuary from the rest of the world. It's about sanctuary within the worries of the world. It's not about hiding from the fire. It's about learning to hear God through the fire. It's about stepping into the flames like Daniel in the lion's den and coming out with hope. So if you've been looking for the right time to start your spiritual journey, or to pray, or to read the Bible, or to change the world, to get active in the community, to find God, and you've been waiting for your schedule to clear up, for things to get a little bit easier, for the smoke to settle, well, this is our call to forget that notion, to remember that we don't have to wait to hear God speaking. We can look into the fire of our lives and see what God is saying. And if you've been looking into the fire of your life, if things have been really painful, if you've encountered suffering and difficulties and stress, and you're thinking, am I not good enough? Did I do something wrong? Am I not worthy of peace and quiet and love? Is this fire my fault? Well, this is your call to remember that you are so loved by God so loved, that there's hope, that there's no punishment like that. And especially if we've been looking at the tragedy in others' lives and thinking that in some way they're responsible, that it's their actions that have brought them tragedy or hardship, well, this is our call to forget all of that too. There's not fire because we're being punished. There's just fire. And our faith teaches us that God not only has a history of speaking through that fire, that holy fire, but that God might be speaking to us through it right now. And that we, too, can speak through the fire. Because in our second scripture passage, we see John the Baptist tell us that when Jesus comes, he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I think most of you would agree that just making it through the day often feels like baptism by fire. A lesson in how to live, and it is, it's hard. But baptized by fire and empowered by the Spirit, instructed by this fire, instructed by this commandment that Moses records God saying through the fire that Jesus quotes directly through the book of Deuteronomy, this greatest commandment, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. If we follow that commandment of love and if we keep these words in our hearts, reciting them to our children and talking about them while we are at home and when we are away, when we lie down and when we rise, if we 
hold that love, we can speak into the fire. We can do good work. We can help. We can hear God speak and live to tell the story. And so I want to close today with a poem by someone who does tell that story. A poem that I think about a lot because the planet is on fire and the tides are rising and my life often feels like a series of attempts to put out little fires all over the place. And yet I want to be loving. I want to write loving words. I want to say loving words. I want to do loving actions. I want to write love poetry, not to avoid the pain and suffering in the world, but to engage it. And so, why write love poetry in a burning world by Katie Ferris? To train myself to find in the midst of hell what isn't hell, the body bold and cancerous, but still beautiful enough to imagine living the body, washing the body, replacing a loose front porch step, the body chewing what it takes to keep a body going. This scene has a tune, a language I can read, a door I cannot close, I stand within its wedge, a shield. Why write love poetry in a burning world? To train myself in the midst of a burning world, to offer love, poems of love to a burning world. Amen.
grow new life and bear good fruit. And so my prayer for us today is that we may not become scorched earth, hardened by the fires of our lives, but that we may become fertile soil to love, to hope, and to faith. I pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May you be blessed. Amen. Thank you.